0: Hello and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she/her,
1: and I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she/her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning.
0: This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season 2. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, We'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline, like it's our first time, too.
1: During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show.
0: Thanks for listening!
1: Now, on to the episode. Welcome back! Season 2, Episode 10, What's My Line, Part 2. This is a continuation of part one. Should we give a little recap of what happened?
0: Previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy just wants to be a normal girl. She's wanted this since the beginning of the series, but the writers decided to really make that the focus of the episode. (laughs) But the bad guys in Sunnydale aren't going to let Buffy be a normal girl. Mm -mm. Spike is so close to figuring out how to rejuvenate Drusilla. And in order to keep Buffy sort of at bay, he decides to send bounty hunters after her. They're called the Order of Taraka, and they are unstoppable assassins who will not stop until they've killed Buffy. So Buffy is on high alert. She's not sure what to do, and she has to defend herself from these assassins, but she has no idea what they look like. They could be anyone. They could be anything. They could be bugs. (laughs) (laughs) And if that's not enough, at the end of the episode, we are introduced to a new character, Kendra. And at first, we think she's one of these members of the Order of Taraka because she attacks Buffy. While Buffy is just minding her own business, having broken into Angel's house like you do with the guy you're kind of almost dating.
1: As one does.
0: Uh, So Buffy and Kendra fight. and It's a pretty good fight sequence. You should go back and watch it. And the episode ends on the cliffhanger when Buffy asks Kendra, who are you? And Kendra says, I'm Kendra, the Vampire Slayer.
1: Uh, That's where they leave us. That's exactly where they pick up. So yeah, like jumping right into it, Buffy and Kendra are still facing off and Buffy says, nice cover story but here's a tip you might want to try it on someone who's not the real slayer and kendra in her accent (laughs) says even if you kill me another slayer will be sent to take my place and buffy is getting annoyed and she says stop saying you're the slayer i'm the damn slayer and kendra says there is but one and i am she (laughs) and buffy Buffy proposes that they both back off so that they can go to her watcher and figure this out. And at first, Kendra does not understand Buffy's slang, but then they do agree to disagree, and they stand down.
0: Yeah, it's a surprisingly civil resolution to this dramatic cliffhanger from the previous episode.
1: Cut to Angel, sweet, sweet Angel, who's half an hour away from being Angel's Ashes. (laughs) He's huddled in the corner of a cage, looking super sad. The sun is streaming through that window and it's moving closer and closer to him. Cut to credits. Indeed, Buffy brought Kendra to Giles and they're in the library. And Giles is confirming that Kendra's watcher is Sam Zabuto, who is apparently very well respected and Giles has heard of him. Kara, <sighs> so <laughs> many questions. So sure. many questions why aren't the watchers in this alleged watchers council talking with each other and corresponding and keeping up to date with each other about what slayers are alive and what slayers are dead
0: yeah absolutely so you and i have kind of alluded to this in the past um without going into spoilers there there's much more to the lore behind like the watcher slayer relationship there is a council of watchers of some kind so clearly what we can infer from this is that generally speaking the watchers have some way of knowing which girls could become the next slayer they have some way of identifying these possible slayers apparently i don't and this is something we don't know yet in terms of like how consistent is the training regime but for kendra at least she was taken young and she was trained to possibly be the slayer and it's not clear but i think what we're supposed to get from this is the watchers don't know who's going to become the next slayer it could be anybody <laughs> um so kendra was activated as the slayer And you're right. It's like, did Giles not write back to the Watcher's Council and be like, so Buffy died technically, but she's fine. She got better. Like, is he not filling them in? Is he not sending them reports? So you're right. It's just like there's so many questions here. And I really hope that the show continues to delve into this in future episodes
1: well it's just it's a bit of a misstep because even like this watcher zabuto who apparently lives in some remote area of jamaica training this girl her whole life why Mm -hmm. wouldn't he contact the watchers council and be like oh by the way my slayer just got called exactly talk to each other you guys i don't understand the lack of communication here well it's
0: because they're men (laughs)
1: men and their inability to communicate i just feel like in the history of slayers from this conversation that we get and from getting to know kendra in this episode it would appear that this has never happened before there's never been two slayers at once which is so weird to me because like Buffy was only a Slayer for a year and had a very close call and was luckily brought back by CPR. Are you telling me no Slayer has ever accidentally died and been brought back? But then again, perhaps that's why Buffy's unique and she has friends around her to help her, blah, 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 blah. But it's just interesting to me.
0: Yeah. I I mean, that's what we're going to get from this episode, right? Is we're Mm going to see this contrast between Buffy as the Slayer versus Kendra, who is probably what a Slayer is supposed to be more similar to. You have made the point about Buffy being different because she has friends and stuff. I would also think that Buffy is unique because it seems like the Watchers in general have treated the Slayers as if they are expendable, right? And Kendra even explains her Watcher sent her to Sunnydale to deal with the powerful evil that's going to rise soon. And her watcher didn't come with her. And it's like, <laughs> you're just sending this young woman into danger. Yeah, a Uh, what And she hell? might not return. And you're cool with that because you know that if she dies, there's another slayer waiting, right? Slayers are expendable, fungible commodities for the watchers. But Buffy's different in large part, I think, because the relationship she's forged with Giles is one in which he respects her. He doesn't or can't order her around like Kendra gets ordered around And so Buffy isn't going to be sent off to die, right? Like Giles (laughs) refused to send Buffy to die in Prophecy Girl. A good Mm -hmm. watcher would have just sent her off to die with no problems. So we're not just learning about Buffy from this episode. We're learning about Giles and what makes him special as a watcher.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Well... As we continue in this conversation, Buffy is clearly getting annoyed with Kendra, even to the point where Kendra says she doesn't have a last name. And Buffy says, can you say stuck in the 80s? Like she's giving her so much sass. And Giles says there obviously is a misunderstanding. And that's when Willow walks in. Kendra goes to confront her, says, identify yourself, like super intense about it. And Buffy calls her a pink ranger and tells her to back off and says, that's my friend. And Kendra does not understand what this means. And Giles literally explains to Kendra what a friend is. He says there are civilians who know Buffy's a slayer. Willow's one of them. And they also spend time together socially. (laughs) Yeah, I,
0: I think, you know, I think this scene is very funny because Kendra is so indoctrinated into her life as the slayer. And we're learning a lot about her very quickly. She doesn't have any friends, Mm-hmm. um it seems like the only person she really interacts with is her watcher so in many ways we're getting this sense of like kendra is somebody who's very young like buffy but just like cordelia is a foil to buffy showing us who buffy might have been if she hadn't become the slayer kendra is showing us another like version of buffy if buffy had been located earlier by the watchers or if Buffy had been trained perhaps by a more like a more stern authoritarian watcher from the beginning instead of Merrick and then Giles (laughs) um so I think that's interesting is you know I I feel sorry for Kendra here and how clueless she is because that's not her fault
1: I also find it kind of interesting like you brought up Merrick And now you're bringing up Giles and they both treat Buffy different from how other Watchers, we assume, would be treating Kendra or any of these Slayers. However, the fact that Buffy's now gone through two Watchers that have treated her very similarly, like almost like father figures at some points. A listener had brought up to us earlier that perhaps we're giving Cordelia leeway and letting her get away with more stuff because of her pretty privilege. And Mm -hmm. Buffy is a blonde good-looking young girl i wonder if that plays into it and the fact that kendra is not blonde and not white and Mm -hmm. in all respects of this episode she is played off as a foreigner and exoticized so there is a contrast between the two of them in this regard as well that i don't want to overlook
0: i think that is a fantastic point i agree with you i think that either intentionally or not the choice for Buffy to be our hero as a blonde white girl and to be treated exceptionally as an exception by these men in a position of authority in contrast with Kendra as a black girl as you're saying not having that same exception that same exceptionality according to the show I agree that there that says something about how we approach Whose stories get to be told on television, both in the 90s and also, you know, things are getting a little bit better now, but they're still not great. I think actually, now that we bring this up, there's been word for a couple of years that there's going to be like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer remake or reboot or a new TV show about Vampire Slayers. Uh, And at one point, I don't know if this is still the case, they were saying that the main character might be black, Mm -hmm. Which would be fantastic.
1: Oh my gosh, yes. Um,
0: Because I think that back in the 90s, you know, if anybody had been like, we want to make a show about a black woman who slays vampires, uh, or at least a black teenage girl who slays vampires, they would have laughed. You know, like nobody would have hired Bianca Lawson to be Kendra the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something when I watched this episode, I kind of took a moment to... Imagine for myself that there's this whole spin off TV series called Kendra the Vampire Slayer set in Jamaica.
1: <laughs> amazing. You know,
0: with like an yep. all Jamaican cast. Like, how <laughs> yeah. amazing would that be? I'd watch and, it. But that type of show had negative chance of being produced in the 90s and it has a very slim chance of being produced nowadays. So I agree with you, Steph. And I think that that is such an important lens that we need to use when we're examining. Uh, how Buffy and Kendra are portrayed in this episode, so let's keep thinking about that.
1: For sure. So Kendra asks why Giles allows Buffy to have friends. Slayers are supposed to work in secret for security. And Giles says, with Buffy, some flexibility is required. (laughs) That's when Giles realizes that Buffy was dead. Which you and I have pointed out so many times in part one they kept bringing up (laughs) Buffy died you guys (laughs) like Buffy died so she's she says she was only gone for a minute but clearly that doesn't matter if you are physically dead it activates the next slayer
0: well and I love how Kendra she takes a moment to process this and then she's like she died and Buffy says and she's kind of defensive she's like just a little
1: <laughs> just like for a second <laughs>
0: yeah and I just I love this exchange like honestly this whole episode there's more action than part one and the dialogue is so much better in this episode
1: it is and uh, we could talk about this at the end too but like so many game changers in this episode in this oh, series yeah. the part one and part two Buffy wants Kendra to go She's like, this is a mistake. You, She's not supposed to be here. You can go home. I'm not dead. And having you around creeps her out. And I had to wonder, why is it creeping Buffy out? Probably just because it reminds her that she died, but also that mm-hmm. she failed. Mm-hmm. She's starting to show her defensive side with Kendra being here. And we'll see this play out more throughout the episode. So Kendra says she was sent here because the signs are indicating that a great power is about to rise in Sunnydale. And Buffy then asks why did you attack me and kendra says she thought she was a vampire so of course (laughs) buffy's like swing and a miss for the rookie (laughs) but then kendra rightly says uh did i not see you kissing a vampire (laughs) of course they all confirm oh that's just angel like he's good don't worry about it that's angel
0: well i love how willow immediately jumps to buffy's defense and she's like buffy would never do that and she's all upset and then of course she reconsiders and she's like oh way buffy would do that but only with angel yeah. it's like but
1: after she says only with angel she's like right and buffy's like yeah <laughs> only with
0: angel. well that's the thing right is i mean you know willow like maybe maybe there's another vampire in buffy's life and she just hasn't <laughs> got around to telling you that would be embarrassing
1: how embarrassing um but yeah so so they confirm that like, yeah angel's good now and kendra has heard about angel and she says you mean angelus i've read about him He's a monster. And I couldn't help but be like, "But you have heard of me." <laughs> you know
0: what? I mean? uh, publicity is good publicity.
1: Exactly. It, you have heard of me, Kendra. So Kendra said, "He uh, looked like any other animal when I dot dot dot." And of course, we know what sheep did And Buffy demands to know, what did you do to him? And then cut to Angel, who is just about to become a dust bunny in this cage. <laughs> and Willie, the bartender, opens the cage door, pulls Angel out, who is very weak, because I guess when you're close to Sun, you're, you get weak too?
0: I don't know if that's what was going on. I think it was more like he probably expended a significant amount of energy trying to escape, right? Trying to break out of that cage. <laughs> So he's probably weakened because he needs to feed to recover that energy.
1: Interesting. I could just see him, yeah, like just wailing on that cage so hard that he like doesn't have any no. energy left. Willie has to drag him out. So he opens a floor door or a trap door. I don't know what they're called. And it opens to the sewers and he throws Angel down there. It looks painful. And Spike and his guys are waiting down there. And Spike gives Willie money. For doing this and says don't talk or i'll have your guts for garters i believe him. <laughs> i believe him too at bobby's house cordelia remember she let the the infamous norman fister in the house don't forget that she let him in and they're going through his cosmetic bag and she, you know, Cordelia, she's like, Oh, do you have colors raisin? Or how about anything in the berry family? I, you wouldn't know, but I'm a winter and a summer, meaning her <sighs> complexion. And uh Cordelia's just, just asking Norman now, maybe you should consider selling dictionaries. <laughs> and not makeup and that's when she notices a worm on his hand and he notices her noticing the worm on his hand that's when xander comes down from buffy's room joins them and then norman bursts into like you know his worm self he like falls into a bunch of worms xander and cordy run to the back door but he's already there because i guess he's really fast with his worm magic Uh, They go into the basement and they close the door and the worms are starting to come underneath the door. So Xander's taping it with duct tape and Cordy's hitting the worms with a broom.
0: So can we take a moment to point out that if Cordy has had enough time to invite Norman into Buffy's house, sit down with him, paw through his cosmetics bag, what is Xander doing in Buffy's room (laughs) that is taking so long? Do we want to know? Probably not.
1: Maybe he found Joyce's stash of weed in Joyce's room and pocketed some.
0: That would be far better than any of the possibilities I was entertaining. Look
1: at me. I mean, we'll get to it at the end of this episode, but look at me looking for not pervy excuses for Xander all of a sudden. This is interesting.
0: (laughs) Honestly, Xander was not terrible in this episode. We can talk more about that as things go along.
1: Buffy and Kendra are investigating the back room of the bar, Angel's gone, but Kendra says there are no ashes, so therefore she didn't kill him. And Buffy says, then I don't have to kill you. So this is when Willie shows up. Kendra takes him out immediately. And I I thought this was funny where she's like, this one's dirty. I can feel
0: it. (laughs) Kendra really is on a hair trigger, right? It's like anytime somebody else comes into the room, she's just like automatically going to like take you down. You know, she's very much disable first, ask questions later.
1: Yeah, like, and that this is just another example of the different styles and approaches to sling that Buffy and Kendra have. Buffy prefers, you know, you catch more bees with honey, like that kind of approach to work, whereas Kendra is just sock and bop them. And I think both are effective, mm-hmm. but we'll see which one wins out in the end. Buffy is just like, she takes over and asks where Angel is, and Willie does say that Angel. That Willie opened the cage for him, and that he was going to stay underground and recuperate. Kendra says we should go back to your watcher for orders. Buffy says she doesn't take orders; she does things her way. And then Kendra says, "No wonder you died, burn."
0: Yeah, and then love it. I don't know if you saw this stuff when the camera cuts away from her just before she gives a little eye roll. It's just so much sass, and I love it because attitude. Yeah. Because just like you said, you know, this episode does exoticize and other Kendra. And I appreciate that she gives as good as she gets to Buffy. Mm -hmm. I think that's very important. And I'll have a few more thoughts about that in a couple more scenes.
1: So... As they leave, I don't know why they had to include this, just to show that Willie is one of those guys that just says whatever. He says, girls, have you ever considered modeling? And then basically, he'd like to take nude photos of them. (sighs)
0: Fucking And so just, just to be clear, not too sure exactly how old Kendra is, but I'm assuming she's close in age to Buffy, who is 16. So Willie is proposing child pornography. And, like you said, I don't know why this is in this episode. What is the show trying to say? Is the show trying... It just brings me back to the puppet show, right? And how there are times when this show sexualizes Buffy at this age in a way that isn't Buffy exploring her teenage sexuality. It's the show is putting a presumably straight cis male gaze on us as viewers on Buffy, and it's just so uncomfortable. It's like, why are you trying to remind us that this underage girl is physically attractive? That's, yep. this just Why why is this in here? So I'm with you.
1: I, I do love the idea that, I mean, this is the second Slayer we've met, but like so far, both of them are hot. Like, love it. Love that idea. But <laughs> don't comment on it, old man. Disgusting. Uh, and actually, you just reminded me that the last demon hunter we met and unfortunately the first one buffy ever met was sid the dummy so if only it could have been kendra right right so spike is waking up drusilla with a gift for her and it's angel tied up and so would
0: you also appreciate this gift
1: yeah if you don't mind waking me up to this (laughs) on my next birthday that would be great spike says that they need a full moon angel will die and drusilla will be fully restored from her mysterious mob illness that we never find out more about and spike says it's been and then drusilla says forever and forever since they've done it I don't know what they mean by this like forever since she's been better but like then it's very sexualized i'm just like i don't don't know if they're talking about sex or not sometimes these vampires are just really like i I think they are but are they i
0: have i have thoughts about sex and vampires for the next drusilla angel scene
1: wow cannot wait for that really excited (laughs) uh so drusilla says she wants to have angel until the moon and spike gives her an odd look at first and then says, okay, you can play. Baby likes to play. <laughs> but don't kill him. So Spike brings Angel to her. And she says he's been a very bad daddy. And then she hits him. And I think we need to take a break right now.
0: <laughs> All right, Steph. Hot. Okay.
1: Hot. Down. Hot. Okay kendra and giles are walking through the quad at school as buffy and willow trail behind them giles said that he spoke to kendra's watcher and this is shocking news because the watchers don't communicate with each other so thank god giles and zabuto right
0: so this all this demonstrates though like this is worse because it just demonstrates it would be so easy For them to reach out to each other. Like, clearly he has a way of contacting Zabuto. So it's like, why did you not give Giles a heads up? Why did, like, if it's not a plot hole, it's like a plot see-through patch.
1: (laughs) Giles, just get on your Excel sheet contact list for all the Watchers Council and call up Zabuto. He's at the end of the alphabeticalized list. So easy. (sighs) So... They've agreed that Buffy and Kendra should work together until Spike and Drusilla thing the whole thing is over. And Giles gives Kendra and the audience a catch up on Drusilla and Spike on their story and why they're in Sunnydale and what's been going on. And while this is happening, Buffy is displaying intense feelings of dislike and or, as I read it, jealousy so giles says the order of taraka are in play and kendra knows all about those people because she studies and she studies because the slayer handbook insists on it and willow says there's a slayer handbook is there a t-shirt too because that would be cool and willow would so read the slayer's handbook you know like she'd read it for buffy give her the sparks notes buffy asks why she doesn't have a handbook and giles says after meeting you buffy i realized the handbook would be of no use in your case
0: i think this is like one of the funniest lines in this episode because it, it shows right giles knew there was a handbook and he chose not to give it to buffy yeah which i think shows giles perceptiveness right he meets this girl and he's like You know, he he probably, like, had the handbook behind his back, that first scene where they meet in the library, (laughs) and, like, after she leaves, he probably, like, pulls the handbook out from behind his back, and he just looks at it, and he sighs, and he just puts it back on the shelf, and he's like...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe the handbook was actually, not quite a handbook, but, like, that giant vampire book that he slammed on the table (laughs) in the pilot
0: So, oh, and then dear. she
1: didn't take well to it, so he's like, "All right, I won't try again. I'll, I'll come. I'll come at it a different way." Um. So Giles wants to talk to Kendra more about the book that Kendra read about the Order of Taraka, and they tell a footnote joke to each other and laugh together. Buffy rolls her eyes. It's her turn to roll her eyes, and she she says this like, "Hello, Planet Pocket Protector," or something like that. And this is just really interesting for Buffy and Buffy's character because. I think we'll see this more in the future, too. But when Buffy feels insecure, she she does lash out in certain ways. And in this case, mm-hmm. Kendra's making her insecure and it's coming out in this pettiness and also, to me, a very sibling rivalry vibe.
0: Yeah, there, there's a defensiveness to Buffy and it's kind of similar to how Xander acts. You know, he uses humor to deflect His humor tends to be a little bit on the meaner side. Buffy's humor is a little bit more glib. So I think that's a great catch, you know, is this is part of Buffy's personality. It's a coping mechanism. And I think it works really well in the face of enemies Mm -hmm. because it throws them off balance. They're like, why aren't you scared? She's like, I'm too busy figuring out a joke. (laughs) Um, Like we saw with her confrontation with the master. Yeah. Like any coping mechanism, when you overuse it or when you use it at inappropriate times, it can really prevent you from growing and moving forward
1: yeah it's also very authentic to her age Yes, but i I did pick up on that during the scene uh giles then says principal snyder was looking for buffy and kendra asks if buffy is a student here and then she says i imagine she's a cheerleader as well and giles says no she had to give up her cheerleading it's actually an amusing story (laughs) and then leads kendra away Kendra, if you don't know what a friend is, why do you know what a
0: cheerleader is, is my question. (laughs) Well, like, I I think Kendra knew what a friend was, but it was just she didn't get the idea of the Slayer having friends.
1: Right, right, right. But
0: yeah, I'm with you. I I thought the same thing when I was watching this scene. I'm like, so has Kendra, like, watched American movies? Like, was this part of her research? Does she know about (laughs) social stuff just to, like, be able to blend in? Yeah. Right? Like, did she have to do a crash chorus? Did she have, like, a like a Walkman in the cargo hold of the plane (laughs) and she was just listening to like a a, a tape that Mr. Zabuto recorded all about like American teenage life. Like I'm just very curious how Kendra learned about this stuff. Maybe
1: she snuck in Buffy the Vampire Slayer the movie (laughs) on the flight over. (laughs) So... As they leave, Buffy is talking to Willow and says, oh, like she calls Kendra she Giles and says Giles wishes that Buffy were more of a book geek like Kendra. Willow is such a good friend and says Giles is enough of a book geek for the both of you. And uh, Buffy says they were really vibing and Willow says, no, no one could replace you. You'll always be Giles's favorite. And she also calls Buffy the real Slayer. It's just interesting because I think that the way that Giles is taking to Kendra, because obviously Kendra is following this format that we're supposed to believe that Slayers are supposed to be more like Kendra traditionally. And this is probably exactly what Giles expected Buffy to be like when he met her. Mm -hmm. And I think Buffy's picking up on that too.
0: Well, it's kind of like, like you were saying, Buffy's reactions are very of her age. It's kind of like if you're a kid like an exchange student come to stay at your house or something, and your parents start treating them really, really well. Um, and it almost feels like you're going to be replaced, right? Yeah. Like your parents love yeah. this person more than they love you, even though they're probably just being polite because this person's a guest in your house. But it doesn't feel that way.
1: Yeah, well, so they're special for like a shorter amount of time, yeah. right? And that's where the sibling rivalry comes in too, because Buffy's an only child. So Ooh, yeah, good point. having somebody very similar to her more or less stepping in and being well-received is is probably hard for her. But then Buffy does wonder if it, it would be such a bad thing to be replaced because this is what she's been talking about for a year and a half now, right? Like, I want to retire. I didn't want this as mm-hmm. a gig. I didn't sign up. So maybe Kendra can slay and she can go to Disneyland. <laughs> she, she could do career day stuff and have a normal life. So Boring. So Cordy and Xander are still in Buffy's basement. Cordy is pacing. They are really bickering like a lot and it gets meaner and meaner and meaner as they go on. Xander's plan is to wait for Buffy to save them as is Xander's MO. Great
0: plan, Xander.
1: that That's what he does. <laughs> so Cordy calls him out. She says... Uh, She wants to go see if the bug guy is gone and Xander protests and Cordy says she's stranded in here with a loser and Xander calls her out for letting the assassin in the house in the first place and Cordy says he looked normal (laughs) and I will say I do enjoy when they when they fight like this.
0: Yeah, well, they both have good points, and he did not look normal. He looked super, super sketchy.
1: <laughs> yeah, Cordy, Xander has a point, and I I think it's also because Xander isn't slut shame here for once, so it's nice, uh, but he does say, all it took was a prospect of a free makeover and you licked his hand like a big, dumb dog.
0: He's basically calling her a bitch.
1: <laughs> yeah, so maybe I spoke too soon, <laughs> <laughs> but... Cordelia goes to leave, but turns around, gets in his face and says, she'd rather be worm food than look at his pathetic face. I can't believe I'm stuck spending my last moments on Earth with you. And as they're yelling at each other, they're getting closer and closer and closer. Xander says he hopes it's his last moments. Because three more seconds with her and he's going to... And she says, going to what, coward? And he calls her a moron. They both say, I hate you. And then they kiss <laughs> and the music changes. It becomes really dramatic. I know. As they like kiss. We,
0: the, the music is unexpected because yes. it's so campy. Yes. Um, yes. The show clearly is having fun with this. I will point out for people um, who enjoy like the art of filmmaking and stuff. This scene is a great example of the use of camera angles because while Xander and Cordelia are fighting, the camera is going back and forth between them. Um, and even when they're moving around and they're getting closer and closer, as long as they're fighting, the camera goes back and forth. And then just before the kiss, the angle changes from the back and forth over the shoulder shots to what's called a two shot, where Xander and Cordelia are standing, uh, you know, across from each other, both in the frame, which is basically filmmaker speak for these two characters now have equal weight in this moment. So, the moment the camera changed to that two shot, that was a signal of oh something is going to happen between the two of them because it's not going back and forth anymore. And then of course they kiss, and then the music cue comes in, <laughs> yeah, uh, and then they break apart. <laughs> and it's so funny because they like the look on their faces, and they just they don't address it right. Xander's so, just like you're right, we need to get out of here, and they run <laughs> up the stairs. And, you know, you can kind of imagine what's going through their teenage brains at this moment.
1: Well, the fact that they'd rather face this worm assassin than contemplate what just happened between them. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, like you said it earlier, it's fun, right? Like this is like a, a fun moment. Um, we can talk more about Cordy and Xander in a little bit, but I-, I liked how you just just described that. I mean, Prophecy Girls podcast is not just a Buffy rewatch podcast. It's also a filmmaking how-to <laughs> So
0: (laughs) I I mean, I I don't know anything about filmmaking. I have no training in this. I've just picked up things here and there. And so every time I notice something, I'm very proud of myself. And I like (laughs) to point it out to people because I do think that having an amateur understanding, even of filmmaking, gives you an appreciation for these shows, right? I don't know everything about filmmaking by any means, but... Even just knowing some basic names for camera angles and stuff helps me understand how the writers are try- trying to tell this story.
1: Yeah, I agree. And um, when you describe it like that, you can really see how the buildup was all there. And the audience is probably anticipating something big is going to happen, whether he do- whether they do beat each other up or end up making out because it's, mm-hmm. it's all about that buildup. And um, that's why I say it's fun because you can see it happening. It's it's not expected. But at the same time, they're building up to that, so that's anticipation.
0: They run up the stairs. They peel the tape off from the bottom of the door. Uh, they have like a broom propped up there, but it's like the door opens outwards, and it did seem to be locked. So I'm very confused about how they actually stopped him from getting to the basement because it seems to be like he could have just opened the door from the outside.
1: Norman Fister so. is low key useless. I'm just gonna say it. So
0: <laughs> there it yeah. is. Yeah. So he he he's not there um you know they think coast is clear they leave the basement and then suddenly turns out norman is not quite useless because he can think in three dimensions (laughs) because he's in his bug form but he's on the ceiling and he like drops down on them and like once again we've talked about this in part one Steph. this freaks me out i was not comfortable with this at all Um, I would have been like Cordelia, I would have just run out of that house screaming and got into my Queen's, I I mean, I guess mine would be Queen K uh, car with a vanity license plate, and I would tear out of there. So (laughs) I am with you on this one, Cordy.
1: They don't just like get in the car and go. Xander has to spray her down with a hose first and a little longer than is (laughs) necessary. i get it like it's supposed to be a funny joke where Cordy looks like come on let's go okay okay let's go it's like a really it's funny i get okay it's funny but because we know xander's a pervert and was probably sniffing up on buffy's underwear drawer for 15 minutes before this whole scene stop (laughs) but yeah they get into cordy's car and they take off back at the career fair buffy and willow are talking and buffy notices that oz is watching willow from the little student lounge area and excitedly tells willow that this guy is checking her out and Willow glances over and she does like she says he's expressing computer nerd solidarity because willow would never ever believe that a guy would check her out not when she's not wearing her slut costume <laughs> and buffy says really then why is he on his way over here and it's cute uh because buffy then you know pointedly leaves And Oz does approach Willow and asks if she's interested in the computer software company that they were both recruited for, weirdly, the day before. And Willow says that she wants to finish school first. And that's when Oz reveals that he tests well, which is why he was there, but he has zero ambition. (laughs) And I'm not gonna lie, I think that that's kind of a turnoff for me when guys don't have any ambition. But I suspect that's true for Willow as well, because she's just like, oh, okay, Uh, But then again, he's 17, so I'll let it slide. But Oz talks about his ambition being able to get a guitar chord right, I think. I think that's what he's talking about. I'm confused, but so is Willow. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) I think you make a really good point here. I think if Oz had any more ego to him, this scene would come across as a lot more annoying. Because can you imagine anything worse than trying to have a serious conversation with a guy you're kind of attracted to, and all he talks about is how much he wants to get a guitar chord right. Like, mm-hmm. that would be so boring. Yeah. Um, but it's clear from Oz's attitude that when he says that, he's coming from a place of genuine interest in his craft versus his own ego. So I think that's what makes it acceptable. Mm-hmm. But I think you make a good overall point where if if we could level any criticism of Oz... And I think you and I have both been very clear with our listeners. We love Oz. He is great. He's probably one of the least problematic male characters on this series. But if we could level any criticism of him, it's like you said, Oz's laid back attitude is very attractive on the surface. But unless he grows as a person and shows, like you said, more ambition, more drive to be more than what he is right now that's going to be a problem for him as he gets older. You know, I I speak from experience because I am also a very laid back person and I don't have a ton of ambition, but you you tend to find that as you get older, like it's fine when you're a teenager because you're still figuring things out. Yeah, of course. But as you get Mm -hmm, older, right, mm -hmm. you need some kind of ambition. It doesn't have to be like, I'm going to be a ruthless boardroom tycoon (laughs) ambition, but you need some kind of ambition that challenges you. And so... It'll be interesting, depending on how long Oz sticks around in the series, where the relationship goes with Oz and Willow and everybody else, like, what other dimensions do we see to Oz's character? Because he is kind of one-dimensional at this point. Mm -hmm. It's a dimension that we're enjoying, but I want to see more depth to Oz.
1: Yeah, and I think there's different ways to read this scene for sure. I mean, I, I, I'm i with you. We're going to give him slack for being 17 and not ambitious. That's fine. I, and, and, I, and I don't think that he's the kind of guy or the kind of musician that, you know, you're all at a party and the guy with the guitar is like, hey, everyone, I'm going to play Wonderwall. And everyone's like, ugh. Like, <laughs> I don't think he's that kind of guy. Uh, one way to read the scene would be that Oz doesn't like talking about himself. Right. So he like dismisses Willow's questions about his life and his ambition very quickly, mm-hmm. you know, would rather talk about something else than him.
0: Yeah, so. yeah that's a good point.
1: So Buffy meets up with a woman in her group because she's going to participate in career week. The policewoman says, "Uh, when I say your name, put up your hand. Buffy Summers. Buffy raises her hand and the policewoman pulls out her gun and shoots at her. Buffy dives behind a table and jumps around the corner. The students are all there's like this. This hallway is packed with students and they're all running and ducking and screaming as she shoots at Buffy a few more times. Oz dives in front of Willow and gets shot in the arm. Buffy knocks her to the ground and she loses her gun but pulls out another gun from her ankle holder and is about to shoot Buffy when Kendra kicks her from the side and she falls over and the policewoman briefly grabs Jonathan who happened to be there and holds a knife to his throat and then realizes that she's outnumbered so she runs away Kendra pursues Willow is with Oz who's bleeding from the arm and Oz is so relaxed and he's like I've been shot you know like wow it's odd. And, and painful
0: <laughs> well he, he's in shock at this point right like For sure. i think that's a fairly i've not seen anybody get shot obviously but yeah. my understanding is that's probably a, a pretty typical reaction yeah um, i'm shot <laughs> yeah like you, yeah. it's this disbelief your your body is shutting down in some ways to, to keep you safer
1: yeah (laughs) and also let's not forget that like this is a school shooting and we've talked about school shootings at this show in the past in other episodes but this is a school this is an actual school shooting uh Mm -hmm. in the hallways literally oz was just getting to know willow and talking to her and then he gets shot so of course that shock is there it's like was that really happening and jonathan who was attacked with that knife says to buffy was that a demonstration because it's like did this really just happen So bizarre. Yeah.
0: And my question is, where are all the other adults, right? Like, this is career day. So, policewoman shouldn't have been the only adult in this breakout area doing career day signups, right? Mm -hmm. And where are the teachers? Like, if there's a whole bunch of students milling around the halls like this, Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is between classes or lunch or whatever, but like, in my high schools, at least, there would be teachers on hall duty keeping an eye on things right like you don't leave a group of teenagers this large unsupervised like this so where are all the adults there should have been sirens because somebody responsible should have called the police the, yeah. the moment that police woman went off like i'm just like what's going on
1: and where's Is Snyder? it Sunnydale? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah,
0: worst. Like like Snyder is going to be pissed when he hears about this cuz Snyder likes order and this is disorderly conduct right here. <laughs> of course Buffy's involved. So this is just another black mark on her record.
1: Just another typical day in Sunnydale High. Kendra comes back and says that the police officer got away. So in the library we learn that Oz was just scraped by the bullet, thank god. Xander and Cordy enter the library and before Kendra can accost them, Buffy says, "Down, girl." So Xander says, hi to Kendra, who gets very uncomfortable. Giles says that Kendra is the new slayer and Cordelia, who doesn't give a shit, she just says, nice to meet you, and goes to sit down does not like ask any questions. That's when Xander, I do think this part's funny when he talks to Buffy and he's like, I knew this, I'm the only one, I'm the only one Mm -hmm. thing, was just an attention getter like, teasing her a bit. But then he turns to Kendra and says, you're a slayer, huh? I like that in a woman. And (sighs) We know this, Xander. Like, do you do really? Like, really? But stop hitting on Kendra, Xander, because you just made out with Cordelia. So don't yeah. hit on Kendra in front of Cordelia. You know what I'm saying? And Kendra is just really awkward and stammers, like, you know, I hope, uh, I think you, I, I will be of service. Like, she's, she's saying that. And Xander just looks really confused and says, okay, and walks away. So he's not even polite about it.
0: Honestly, I think Xander is maybe feeling weirdly confident right he just kissed Cordelia mm. he's processing it but he did just kiss a girl and he's high on the adrenaline from running away from Norman Fister. <laughs> so I think maybe Xander is kind of hyped up and this is he's just kind of like trying to burn off some energy here like I think that's why he's acting this way
1: his bravado yeah I see that too yeah that's a good reading that's when Cordelia finds a worm, a piece of Norman Pfister in her hair, and she freaks out and she's like, I'm going to go shower and she runs out. Uh, Xander says that's the assassin and Buffy's like, what's with you and bug people, Xander? Like, what's up with that? Because remember the praying mantis? Remember that that episode?
0: I have a vague recollection of Miss French, yes.
1: <laughs> you know, it actually kind of blows my mind that that episode was episode four. Yeah, of the series,
0: we've come a long way, Steph. That's
1: how far we've come. So, <laughs> Giles says uh, they're under serious attack, and Buffy says these Taraka are definitely serious. And fortunately for me, so is Kendra.
0: Try to make some peace with her.
1: Yeah, her and Kendra share a look. It's like understanding. It's like Buffy realizes, "Damn, if you weren't here for that, who knows? I could have been scraped by a bullet as well." <laughs> so Giles says the ritual uh, for Drusilla's cure. What cure? what illness? <laughs> like, what's wrong with Grisella? Um, It requires her sire, a church, and a new moon. So, like any baptism.
0: <laughs> Can I just point out that it, like, Spike went to a lot of work to figure out what he needed for this cure. He had to, like, translate an obscure, encoded Latin book. Yeah. Giles has, like, suddenly figured this out very conveniently for us.
1: <laughs> Just in time, because Angel is in trouble, so we need Giles to figure this shit out. Uh, and this is all going down tonight, let's not forget. So Buffy immediately gets serious, because, hey, she knows that Angel is Drusilla's sire. But she, I don't think she's told anybody, which, fair enough, like, why would you tell your friends that your boyfriend is, you know, a sadistic serial killer? But... She does tell them, she's like, Angel is Drusilla's sire. And Xander says, man, that guy got a lot of neck in his day. And Will hits him, which is nice. Buffy asks... We're not
0: advocating violence against people. It's just, you know, I think Willow is reminding Xander that maybe he should shut up. Shut
1: up. Yeah. (laughs) We're advocating for violence against Xander when he says stupid things. (laughs) So Buffy asks if um, the ritual will kill him. Giles says, yes, it will i kind of love this because all the scoobies just snap into action and buffy says you know we need to find the church and where the ritual is going to take place and they only have five hours until sundown and will says don't worry buffy we'll save angel and kendra protests briefly and says you know the priority should be to stop drusilla and surprisingly xander says angel's our friend except i don't like him (laughs) so it's a good line it's a really good line and um xander actually coming to angel's defense not really but at least being like hey my friends need me so i'm going to help them he's
0: caught up in the moment right like kendra's this interloper so when she's interrupting and kind of like opposing what buffy's plan is xander is not he's not here to save angel he's not defending angel but he's defending buffy's plan
1: yes Buffy goes up to Kendra, gets in her face and says, our priorities mesh right now, so are you going to help me or are you going to get out of my way? She's really intense. Kendra says, I'm with you. And Buffy says, good, because I've had it. Spike is going down. He can attack me. He can send assassins after me. That's fine. But nobody messes with my boyfriend.
0: (laughs) She used the B word.
1: Oh, are we... Is that your boyfriend now, Buffy? Are you guys...
0: Are you guys together? going steady? Are you guys
1: going out? <laughs> so, Drusilla has been torturing Angel this whole time with holy water. So
0: I, I have, I have thoughts about this.
1: Love it. Let's hear it.
0: So Angel's chained to the the front of this bed, mm. and as you said, Steph, uh, she's torturing him with holy water. I'm surprised you didn't point out that he is shirtless.
1: I hadn't gotten there yet. <laughs> Okay. Semi nude Angel on the bed.
0: This is a kinky scene. We have Drusilla torturing Angel. He's bare chested, but it's very erotic. And something that I was wondering when I watched this scene you know, Buffy is a show that is nominally for teenagers. And this is a very risque scene to include in a show for teenagers. And it kind of made me wonder if this would pass muster on a network TV show today. I kind of feel like, you know, obviously Buffy was pushing the envelope in a lot of other ways when it comes to like queer stuff, which we'll get to later on in the series. But I feel like with TV in 2021, there's almost this like undercurrent of conservatism or backlash against kink and stuff and i don't know if the the show would be allowed to show us that i think it might be too much oh you know we got to protect our teenagers Mm -hmm. i don't know what do you think Steph?
1: i agree with you that this scene is very risque for the time and i think it's helpful that they're demons and not our sweet high Mm -hmm. schoolers
0: yeah, that's fair. They are they are older. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, because um, it would be very different if it was like Cordelia and Xander doing this. You mm-hmm. know. On the other hand, I've watched a lot of Riverdale. I'm not. I am a little bit ashamed to say. And this <laughs> is more of a modern teenage show true
0: right? although okay no riverdale cw okay yeah mind. riverdale
1: cw and it's featuring 16 year olds and they yeah. do some pretty kinky stuff on that show too so okay. i do think in our in our modern tv shows we can get away with a lot more but you're right there is always going to be that conservative
0: yeah like viewpoint. i feel like there'd be th- there is more backlash these days yeah. and maybe maybe it's just because we have more like social media and we're very much polarized Mm -hmm. um but yeah i feel like we just we hear this pushback much more when teenage shows aimed at teenagers push the envelope in terms of how they explore like sexual subjects right and that's just what i was thinking about when i watched the scene because i'm just like this is probably the most overt sexuality we've seen on the show so far so this is You said this earlier, like, there's so many game changers in this episode, and I'd say this is one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Spike and Drusilla have established that for vampires, um, sex often comes with a violent component to it, uh, which I think is related to, like, you need to be more extreme to feel something because you don't have a soul. So, you know, Drusilla and Angel had a relationship when he was Angelus. This is probably how they played. Mm-hmm. Like when they were into each other, and yeah. I think that's something to keep in mind, right? She's torturing him the same way she would love him, yeah. and that's fucked up.
1: Well, and they talk about about that in the next angel and Jusolat scene too. Right, I'm picking up on what you said about the way in which people react and speak about these kind of scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more opportunity to do that nowadays. Because we have more platforms to share those thoughts and to share that Some of them
0: even have podcasts.
1: (laughs) Some even have podcasts. Would I listen (laughs) to a podcast where people are just like, I can't believe the sex on this show? (laughs) I don't think I would personally, but... Can you
0: imagine if we just, like, invited somebody on this show who's never watched Buffy before, (laughs) who's, like, a super, like, (laughs) straight-laced, like, uptight person who only, like, watches and reads clean stuff, (laughs) and we just showed them this episode? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Just the scene. (laughs) Just now discuss, you know. Oh dear. Yeah, but I mean, another thing about the scene too is like Drusilla's torturing Angel while talking about the dead family that Angel ki- tortured and killed. So she's like. I think she's doing this to, you know, poke at his humanity now, right? To poke at the fact that he feels bad about it because Angel even starts to apologize to her and she gets really pissed about that and dumps the entire bottle of holy water on him. So ouch. yeah, so yeah, the torture is both physical but also mental. Let's leave this scene for a second. Giles and Willow are saying there are 43 churches in Sunnydale and they have to check ones that are closed or abandoned and uh cory's back after her shower she's wearing cute little sunnydale high t-shirt but she decided to come back and help but also Mm -hmm. possibly coming she decided to come back to sit with xander i don't know it's hard to tell at this point but um she is sitting next to him and they're looking through books and kendra and buffy are in giles office sharpening weapons kendra doesn't know how to use a crossbow and well
0: Kendra says she knows, right? Buffy's like, be careful with that. And Kendra's like, I've been trained with all weapons. And then the crossbow goes off in her hands and breaks a lamp. Yeah. And it's funny because Giles is like, is everything okay in there? And Buffy's like, yeah, Kendra killed the bad lamp. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and
0: Kendra's excuse <laughs> is that the trigger mechanism is different, right? So this is the beginning of a very key scene, a key conversation between kendra and buffy but i'll let you continue on with the scene before we get to that so
1: um after that xander finds the bug man in his profile in the book and says that he can only be killed in his disassembled so
0: how do people know that if they haven't killed him before
1: (laughs) maybe he wrote it himself just like he's like oh i want to be in the book
0: (laughs) it's like this is like his social media profile right or his trading card (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. His chocolate frog card from Harry Potter.
0: I, I bet the other pieces of information on that book on, on that book were like uh, favorite color, favorite <laughs> snack. Uh, that
1: whole book is like all about the assassins, the Taraka assassins, and everybody has put their profile in there, <laughs> like what they want to do when they're older, like all this stuff. When
0: Norman isn't busy killing people and selling cosmetics on the side as his side hustle. He enjoys long walks on the beach.
1: <laughs> ra- an active round of D D with his friends.
0: <laughs> uh, dear. So,
1: so then Xander turns to Cordy and says disassembled means he's broken down into little buggy parts. Cordelia says, I know what it meant, Dorkhead. And Xander comments on Dorkhead because it's not a very good comeback. It's so not like Cordelia, and I was like, "What is going on?" That Cordelia is usually so quick with her jabs at him, mm-hmm. and she's come back here. She's significantly less of her cute self. But I'm not. I'm saying she looks adorable, but to, to Cordelia, mm-hmm. likes to be done up and look really good. So she showered. She put on these like baggy clothes and sneakers, and then came back to the library to research with him. And now she can't even come up with a classic Cordelia comeback that destroys him. And I'm like, Cordelia, well, no! <laughs> no! I mean,
0: you know how it is, staff. Just like one kiss from a boy and Ugh. we just lose all the thoughts in our brains. You know? We can't I, avoid it.
1: <laughs> I am saving my conversation about Cordelia and Xander for the last scene that they're in together in this episode. But like, here I had to point this out because I was like, Cordelia, you. this is not you. You're not yeah. somebody to... To say dorkhead. <laughs> and
0: so, something I noticed during this exchange so the camera kind of pans up and we see Willow and Giles just behind them. And they're kind of looking at, like they're observing, they're, they're kind of watching it, yeah. this happen. Mm-hmm. And Willow glances between the two of them. And I think she knows, like, I don't think she knows that they kissed, but I think she has picked up on there is something going on between Cordy and Xander.
1: Yeah, they're not passing the vibe check. Something's off. Okay. Kendra is telling Buffy that her life is very different from hers. And the things that Buffy has and does, she was taught distract from her calling, even family. And she says that her parents uh, sent her to her watcher when she was very young. She doesn't even remember them. And that's how serious her calling is taken by her people. Her parents believed that they were doing the right thing for her and for the world. So you talked a little bit at the beginning of the episode about potential slayers Mm -hmm. and whether or not the council knows what order that they come in or whether they just get like a little like ding when the next one's called and like what part of the world they're in, right? But Kendra has been receiving special advanced training since she was basically a baby. But Buffy, who is the actual slayer right now, or was before Kendra was called, she learned everything when she was 15. So... Why is there like a difference, and why does like just how does culture play into it? Like, there's just so many things we don't know about the situation, right?
0: Exactly. I I mean, the sense we got from the movie, and the movie is a little different from the series because in the movie it's suggested that the Slayer is reincarnated each time, um, and they've kind of dropped that from the TV show. But the sense we got from the movie was that. Merrick took too long to find Buffy so something went wrong whether it's normal not to know who the next Slayer is or Merrick was just taking a sweet ass time about it <laughs> but they Buffy slipped through their detection grid um, she is in many ways an anomaly which I think is an important thing to ground the show in because that is why we have a show about Buffy the Vampire Slayer she is unique as a Vampire Slayer but I agree with you. There's there's so much more to explore here and this is one of the things I love about this series is it just keeps opening new doors mm-hmm. to walk through.
1: Yeah, at the end of the day it's just fascinating. We want to know more about what's going on in this yeah. universe. So Buffy's looking at Kendra very sympathetically and, you know, she says her life sounds lonely and we know that Buffy feels lonely in her slayer calling. So this is why I think what you're saying earlier why this is such an important conversation between these two slayers. On one hand, I see Buffy taking on this older sibling role in the way that she gives Kendra advice and they, they, they discuss their powers and how they use them. Just sharing of that power. Mm hmm. But also Buffy realizing that, hey, she sounds lonelier than Buffy does. So that's interesting. Yeah. So... Kendra says not to feel sorry for her because emotions are a weakness. And Buffy says her emotions give her powers and are assets to her. And I love that. That's like Buffy saying, my women emotions are assets in fighting. Yes,
0: it's such a good quote. Feminism! Absolutely. Well, (laughs) you're, you're right. Because talking about Kendra and how she's been raised and stuff, Kendra is the slayer that the male watchers want the slayer is a woman who has this incredible physical power and the men want to control her.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And something that you learn, hopefully, when you learn about feminism, when we learn about patriarchy, is that, you know, women are not necessarily more emotional than men, right? That's, you know, a stereotype that our society has created to uphold patriarchy. We devalue emotions in men and we do that because it's important to devalue women's emotions and one of the best ways to keep a woman in check is to tell her that she's getting emotional, she's being irrational you know our patriarchal society privileges rationality and they've constructed this myth that men are more rational than women so Kendra telling Buffy that emotion is a weakness she's parroting what she has been taught by men or this man in her life who's this authority figure who's shaped her into this weapon whereas Buffy saying my emotions give me power they're total assets I love how she says that Mm -hmm. she's like they're total assets like such a teenager (laughs) way of putting it that's Buffy with that feminist voice of the men need to stop controlling us and telling us we're too emotional on that note though to go back to what you were saying earlier in the episode about the differences in the way the show portrays Buffy and Kendra and the connections to her race and being othered this is unfortunate like I agree it's powerful it's fun it's feminist I love it but the racial dynamic there is really unfortunate yeah because we have a white woman telling a black woman what is actually feminist and powerful and (laughs) that is not a good look in 2021
1: well This is something that we've been saying from the beginning, from the very beginning, that this show is progressive and was progressive for its time. But now, Mm -hmm. 24 years later, it's not as progressive as we used to give it credit for. So that's a good example. Exactly,
0: And I don't think it's even necessarily the progressiveness. It's the sophistication Mm -hmm. of it, right? Like, I think what we're bringing to um, our media these days when we're trying to construct and critique our media through a feminist lens is we're applying, hopefully, not always, we're not always successful, but we hopefully are applying more sophisticated feminism that uses tools like intersectionality to look at our media through more than just gender dynamics, but also things like race and disability and class and all these other axes, And that allows for a richer critique and hopefully for better entertainment.
1: Yeah. And it would be so interesting if this new Buffy show, this new Vampire Slayer show comes out, if they are able to really pick apart the way we are and see, like, this is how it should be done to make it even more empowering.
0: We keep uh, getting people asking us, like, are you going to do Angel after this show? (laughs) Are we? You, well, and you and I have been very clear. It's like that is too far away for us to say anything for sure. Yeah. But I will say this: if the Buffy reboot actually happens, we will do it. Like
1: absolutely. I don't see
0: how we couldn't. No, right. We um, obviously have to do it. So yeah. we will make that promise. We don't. We can't make any promises about Angel listeners. But if if you can make the Buffy reboot happen, Steph and I will review it for you.
1: <laughs> That's a promise. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so lots to talk about in this scene for sure. So Kendra likes to keep an even mind, she says. She likes to, like, like you said, be, bring that rational mind into it. Because Kendra, unfortunately at the moment, is kind of like an agent of the patriarchy because she grew up with what appears to be one man who upholds Mm -hmm. this watcher council view and buffy agrees that kendra's technique is flawless she's like don't get me wrong like you're amazing you're a great fighter much better than me in terms of technique but buffy says that she has no imagination and power alone isn't enough a good fighter needs to improvise and go with the flow which is exactly what Buffy does. So Buffy knows that in the end, she would have beat Kendra. And Kendra starts to get pissed and Buffy stands up and they go eye to eye and Buffy says, do you feel that? That's anger. The anger gives you fire and a Slayer needs that. So this is what I mean by Buffy being that older sister, older Slayer mentor in this case because she has been a Slayer for much longer than Kendra, at least a year. And... Kendra can benefit from what Buffy knows. And the fact that Kendra and Buffy, like you said, are watched over by these men who are so out of touch with what women experience and how women think and feel and deal with with different scenarios and everything. Wouldn't it be so wonderful if the Slayer's Watcher were A, a woman, but B, an older Slayer? Somebody who knows exactly what's going on.
0: and. Without getting into spoilers, Mm -hmm. um, listeners, if you stick around until the end of this series, we do find out more about why there is only one Slayer at a time. Mm -hmm. We do kind of finally get an answer to the origin story of Slayers. And I'm just going to say, fuck the patriarchy.
1: (laughs) That'll be the very last thing we say on this podcast at the end of the last (laughs) season, the last episode. It'll be like, thank you very much. Fuck the patriarchy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm with you all the way, Steph. This scene is probably the keystone scene of this whole episode, I would say. Yes. There's so much going on here. Um, and we can unpack this more when we get to the end of the episode. I'm sure we will have a few more comments here. Um, but I agree with you. So Buffy and Kendra are just having this moment. And Kendra gets really, really annoyed, as you say, about the way Buffy's acting and Buffy was doing it on purpose because, you know, she's she's clever that way. Yeah, And they they're bonding and then of course Xander has to come in and ruin the moment. Speaking
1: of patriarchy Xander runs <laughs> in <laughs> grabs a book. And he
0: comes in and he just gets a book, right? Yeah. That I guess Giles wanted or something and the moment he comes in, like Kendra, you know, she's just like eyes down. Clams
1: up. Yeah. Uh,
0: and he looks at her, he's like Nice knife you got there, because Kendra had pulled a, a knife, right? And then he leaves. <laughs> and this leads to a little addition to the scene where Buffy's like, you're awkward around guys, and Kendra apparently wasn't allowed to talk to boys, which, oh, okay, a right. little weird that you're apparently in charge, like there's a man in charge of you, but you're not allowed to talk to other boys. Um, that's awkward. hmm <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah
1: well, another thing about that just really quick kendra is all about the secret identity about keeping things under wraps right but like she also alluded that her whole village knows that she's the slayer or that she was a potential slayer
0: yeah that's a good point
1: <laughs> so what
0: <laughs> that's very it's very confusing it's very confusing i don't think the writers want us to think too much about kendra's home life here because again well, she's we just do. yeah she's just a foil for buffy unfortunately but they didn't anticipate so many people making podcasts about Buffy in <laughs> the you know, twenty tens, twenty twenties. And here we are, Steph, and we're gonna pick this show apart.
1: Let that be a lesson to all you script writers out there. <laughs>
0: Okay, so we must leave the library and return to our vampire kink.
1: Obviously. With
0: Drusilla and Angel. Wait,
1: wait, but before that, just to, just so you know, when we were talking about boys, Buffy realizes that, hey, that guy at the bar, the gross guy, we have to go and see him because he might know where Angel is. Good idea, Buffy. <laughs> Drusilla is still torturing Angel. Spike comes in and says, time to go to church, you know? This is really interesting, actually, because I get the impression from this conversation that Spike doesn't like to watch or partake in torture. He says that he's not much for the pre-show. And that's just interesting for me because Spike is obviously a brutal... Murderer, Right? We've seen him yeah, snatch people's necks. I think
0: Spike is jealous of what's going on between Angel and Drusilla right
1: now. Right. Because Angel says, that's what Drusilla likes best, as I recall. <laughs> and Spike says, what's that supposed to mean? And Angel says, ask her. She knows what I mean. And Drusilla plays along. And she says, shh, bad dog. Right? And Angel says, let me talk to him. Your boy could use some pointers. She likes to be teased. And Spike starts to get really pissed. And Angel says, take care of her, Spike. The way she touched me just now, I can tell when she's not satisfied. Maybe you two just don't have the fire that we
0: had. Damn. Angel.
1: So it's very clear that Angel and Drusilla have a sexual past. But it's also unclear how... Far that sexual past went like we don't know when spike came into drusilla's life but we do know that angel stalked drusilla and tortured drusilla before she was turned into a vampire so i think it does need to be asked whether or not angel raped drusilla before he turned her and i i don't know how common it is for vampires to sexually assault humans because i think they see them as food and not as that kind of prey but remember that Drusilla was very religious and Drusilla became a nun right before Angel changed her and that sexual history is tied up in this torture that Drusilla's doing to him now and she keeps bringing up the past before she was a vampire so I'm just wondering how much trauma was done to her sexually before she was turned into a vampire in which case sexual trauma isn't really a big deal anymore.
0: So that's that's a great question. And we don't know any firm answers. Mm -hmm. I I would kind of come down on the side of I don't think Angelus would have raped Drusilla before he turned her basically for what you said. I Mm -hmm. don't think he'd get much out of it. I think for him, the pleasure was mentally torturing her by killing all her family and Mm -hmm. killing all the nuns and stuff. His pleasure was her awareness that he was going to turn her right Right. she knew what he was and he made it very clear before he turned her because you know everybody was religious back then she was religious she thought she had a soul going to heaven and he was taking that away from her and so that's the ultimate torture right and the the physicality of rape rape is ultimately not about sex it's about power Mm -hmm. that didn't hold any interest for angelus because he already had all the power over her right Um, and once he turned her and she became this evil soulless creature next to him then the sex was about sharing in the violence that they did together so that's where i would come down on that so again i am just hugely speculating here none of this is stuff that we've learned so far in the show and i
1: just i don't think we could really have a overarching discussion about Angel and Drusilla and the nature of the relationship without asking that question. Sure. I mean, he we know that he stalked her and that he was after her for a very long time before he turned her. So I'm just curious how far mm-hmm. that torture went. So clearly they have this sexual past and spike is very clearly aware of this as well and like you said he's jealous and it makes him very insecure which allows angel to use this to manipulate spike because angel's trying to get spike to kill him so that he can't go through with the ritual so that drusilla cannot be revived Mm. and drusilla must be terrifying at her full strength right i think angel wants to die no matter what like he's always sacrificing himself but in this case he really (laughs) doesn't want drusilla to come back the way that she was before so yeah so Angel's playing on Spike's insecurity here and it almost works Spike grabs him by the throat and goes to stake him and Drusilla says no and that's when Spike realizes what he's doing and he's being tricked and he says if I kill you now you go quick and Drew doesn't have a chance then Drew and Spike start making out and Angel who has just been tortured for seven hours looks like ew like this is the this is the worst (laughs) watching you guys make out Buffy and Kendra are interrogating Willie at his bar and I love this because Kendra's like just hit him Buffy.
0: (laughs) Yeah it's interesting because we think of Buffy as like the action person compared to somebody like Giles. So (laughs) it's interesting to see Buffy be the like low-key restrained one here.
1: Uh, Yeah so before Buffy does hit him though Willie says he can take them to Angel and Kendra says first they have to return to the Watcher because that's procedure our conversation earlier actually is sparking this in me now where buffy is the feminist point of view in this episode and if kendra is representing the patriarchy of course she would want to go back to the man so he could tell us what to do and buffy's like no i can think for myself and i'm gonna do this (laughs) you know what you mean buffy says it's brainless to go back to the man Because if they go now, Angel could die. And Kendra says, Is that all you're worried about? Your boyfriend. And Buffy says, It's not all, but it's enough. So Kendra says, Your feelings are clouding your judgment, which is what Buffy said actually gives her power. And Buffy says, He could die. And Kendra says, He's a vampire. He should die. And I was like, Whoa, that was way harsh, Kendra, but you're not wrong. Like, you're not... Like, I, I don't think they spent enough time explaining Angel's good now to Kendra. I don't think they spent enough time telling her the whole deal.
0: <laughs> I agree. I also think it's interesting because this scene really is showing us what we were just discussing about Buffy running on her emotions. You know, if I were in Buffy's shoes and I weren't an emotional 16-year-old girl my argument to Kendra would be we need to go save Angel right away because if he dies, it's because Spike has succeeded in this spell and then Drusilla is going to be super powerful. And that was your goal, Kendra, right? Like that is the argument I would make to Kendra. But that Mm -hmm. is an argument coming from rationality and appealing to Kendra's best interests. Right. And Buffy, as a hormonally clouded 16-year-old girl who just wants to save her boyfriend, Buffy wouldn't make that argument. So I think she's being very consistent as a character here. Um, You know, she's just like, no, save Angel, Angel good, Buffy want to save Angel. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm
1: like that too. Go save Angel.
0: So what happens?
1: (laughs) So Willie is leading Buffy into the church and saying, don't ever say your friend Willie, don't come through in a pinch. And of course, he leads her right into a band of the Taraka assassins and vampires spike is in the church saying the spell or the ritual or whatever Spike's saying stuff like the blood of the sire she shall rise again and then he stabs drusilla and angel through their hands and that's when willie enters with buffy and the Tarakas, and spike gets so pissed he's like why did you bring her here and willie says i thought the bounty was dead or alive so clearly willie is looking to make a buck but spike is right because assassins assassinate her like why are you bringing her over to spike like just kill her because that's what you're supposed to be doing so buffy is just staring at angel and spike says yeah in five minutes he'll be dead don't feel bad for him he has something you don't have buffy says what's that and spike says five minutes so the police officer is about to take out her gun and that's when kendra breaks in doing all these flippy doos and, like, her and Buffy do have something in common because Kendra also I does a bunch of flips. I that's what I was
0: thinking. I'm like, that's totally unnecessary. And then I'm like, wait a minute, we have the same criticism in The Harvest.
1: <laughs> yeah, and never kill a boy. Like, Buffy loves doing these flipties. And uh, Kendra does too. I guess if you can, right? If you, if you got it, flaunt it, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: that's true. We're just, we're just jealous bitches that we are not that flexible. Yeah, I'm
1: just being a hater. So Spike says, who the hell is this? And Buffy says, it's your lucky day, Spike. Kendra says, two slayers. Buffy says, no waiting. (laughs) I love it. It's so good. then they start kicking ass. Kendra takes on Spike while Buffy takes on the police officer. And as we all know, the ending scenes, not lately, but in this episode, the ending scene gets a little hectic. So I'll do it in chunks based on characters. Sounds good. So a vampire is there and he gets staked with the crossbow and giles is the one who fired it and he's coming in with willow xander and cordy no explanation as to how they all knew where they where buffy was going (laughs) um
0: research right they called all 43 churches and they figured out which ones were closed and then they drove around to every single closed church until they found the right one
1: i i stand corrected that's exactly what happened (laughs) and um giles i just want to say that's pretty awesome like, I know, like, obviously, we know that you know how to work the weapons because you teach Buffy how to work the weapons. Mm-hmm. But, like, we we were thinking of you as, like, just a sexy fuddy-duddy, as Jenny called him the other episode. And uh, look at all the stuff that he went through in season one. And here he is, just, like, crossbowing vampires. It's pretty cool. Giles goes after another vamp while Willow jumps on the vamp's back. <laughs> And it's really funny. And then Giles manages to hold the vampire while Willow stakes him and dusts him. And it, it's awesome. Uh, Xander goes to Norman Pfister and says, hey, larva boy. And sure enough, Norman Fister turns into his worms and follows him out. Xander calls him a big cootie, which is funny. And um, I guess Cordelia has laid, is it paint under the door? I'm,
0: well, paint? I think it's glue. Glue? Because it- yeah. You know, he's stuck there, but it, like, it looks like she used a paint can, and I'm not used to getting like glue in a big can like that. I guess it's <laughs> like an industrial kind of glue. Must be. I don't. I don't know. Once again, it's one of these things where the show is just like, don't think about this too much. Just pay attention to the two slayers fighting.
1: I guess we didn't want to see Cordelia with all these glue sticks, just like quickly like smearing them under the door. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we wanted to see that. So, uh anyway, Norman Fisher in his dis- dismembered pieces, all the worms start coming out of the door, straight into the glue and they stomp them to death. Corey's like, "Die, die, die!" in Very her.
0: cathartic.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then they run away. So, Buffy and Kendra are still fighting and they switch up at one point and Spike says I'd rather be fighting you anyway and Buffy says mutual and she literally throws Spike across the room it's pretty awesome and he hits the wall gets up and notices that willie is still there and he's about to kill willie because he's pissed but that's when buffy is removing the knife from angel and drusilla's hands and drew like whimpers so spike goes to help her willie takes off kendra is fighting the policewoman who rips kendra's shirt and kendra gets pissed and says that's my only shirt
0: that you know she said she said you ripped my shirt and then she said you ripped my only shirt. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kendra gets pissed and she throws the police officer through a post. So Spike lights the church on fire as a distraction and to keep the humans back. Grabs Drusilla, says that he hopes that this was enough and um, goes to leave with her. Buffy takes an incense holder, or I don't know what they're mm-hmm. called, but she flings it across the room at him. It hits Spike directly in the head, who falls face first into an organ with Drusilla and it smushes them both. Buffy then goes down to comfort Angel, who's still alive, and she cradles him in her arms. And it's, maybe you can help me understand this. Like, she's cradling him in his arms and everybody's watching.
0: I know. Yeah. It's like, it's this very tender moment. It's beautiful. And I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to show us how the rest of the gang is now realizing that this Angel-Buffy thing is real. It's not an infatuation she's not just crushing on him there is a connection between them right she's just saved his life and you can see from the way that she's holding him that there is a a love story developing at least yeah it's very
1: intimate um and yeah i just had to ask i was like i i think that's what it is i think they're just showing like wow like she loves him so much and uh that's when Kendra comes up and helps her lift him, helps her get him out of there. And I do think it's quite funny watching David Boreanaz pretend that these two little women are helping <laughs> carrying him out. But I mean, you yeah. know, we can look past that.
0: I mean, this is a nice subversion of the damsel in distress trope, right? Yeah. It's not Buffy who was held prisoner. It's this super powerful vampire guy who was prisoner and his girlfriend has to rescue them. You know, that's nice to Love see. It.
1: So they all leave the church and I'm like, guys, Check to see if Spike and Jucilla yeah, are
0: dead. Yeah, speaking of rookie mistakes. You
1: guys, like, I, I mean, surely you, you could just, like, peek in and see if they're still dead. And even the police officer. So,
0: so now that you bring that up, staff, maybe they just couldn't move the organ structure, right? Like, maybe it's just everything was just too heavy because... Angel's the only one of them who really has I guess Buffy and Kendra have super strength, but they're distracted by caring for Angel. So yeah. you know, Giles isn't gonna lift that stuff. Willow and Xander and Cordy can't really lift that stuff. So I guess it's difficult for them to check on Spike and Drusilla.
1: Right. And I understand that. I'm just saying due diligence, people. There's yeah, it at would least have been ideal if
0: they could have verified his death.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Next day at school, Oz is getting animal crackers from the vending machine, and Willow comes up to him and asks him about his arm, because don't forget, he was grazed by a bullet.
0: Okay, can we pause for a moment? Mm-hmm. What kind of high school is this that has animal crackers in the vending machine? Because my high school never had animal crackers in the vending machine. I'm very salty about this.
1: Yeah, that would have been a delicious snack to have, like cookies of some sort. Vending machines always have chips and chocolate bars.
0: And not the good chips, like the sun chips. <laughs> I just wanted to register my displeasure. Um, I feel very jealous that Oz got that.
1: I like how the good chips to you are sun chips. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, delicious, but like not not my go-to, like what I would think is good chips. Am I not right on this? <laughs> I guess we can put a vote. It's bullshit. Listeners, tell us <laughs> what you want to see in your vending machine in Sunnydale High. So when Willow asks Oz about his arm, he says it's suddenly painless smiley face because it's so cute Smooth, oz. willow starts to thank him for saving her life and like i said earlier i don't think oz likes to talk about himself and he changed the subject very quickly and says that the animal cracker monkey is the only cooking animal that gets to wear clothes did you know that <laughs> and willow smiles and oz says you have the sweetest smile i've ever seen okay oz If you are going to interrupt your own train of thought by giving Willow the sweetest compliment I've ever heard in my whole life and telling that to the sweetest person who's been on the show so far, I'm going to fall in love with you. Like, I'm going to fall in love with you. This is the cutest, cutest little exchange. And Willow takes that in and looks so surprised and intrigued. Uh, Oz goes on to talk about how the other animals feel ripped and speaks like the monkey in a French accent. And they walk off together and Willow asks the monkeys French and he says all monkeys are French. And I just want to say here that uh, our listener Veronica, hi again, Veronica, when she sent us a list (laughs) of questions before we recorded parts one and two, one of her questions was do we think that all monkeys are French? Just like Oz said. I have an answer. Do you have an answer?
0: Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, (laughs) Curious George is in French, right? Curious George is the only monkey I know.
1: Okay, okay. I say no because I, here's some monkey facts for you. 65% of all primate species in the world are in Brazil, Madagascar, Indonesia, and the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So, no, I don't think all monkeys are French. I think it's cute that Oz was saying that to make a laugh, so she keeps smiling. Did
0: you know that stat before? No, I
1: looked it up, obviously.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm just like, wow, Steph knows monkey facts.
1: I should leave it in and be like, yeah, I'm a monkey expert.
0: <laughs> uh...
1: So that's that's my thoughts on that. Um, so, Cordy sees Xander in the hallway and she goes to bail. So clearly these two have been avoiding each other, but Xander grabs her and says they need to talk. So they go into an empty classroom and Xander says, we don't have to run every time we see each other in the hall, Uh, we should talk about what happened. There's a total explanation for it. And Cordelia says, you're a pervert. (laughs) So good, oh my God, I love Cordelia. And Cordelia also accuses him of planning this for months and xander says yeah he hired the assassin so he could kiss her
0: <laughs> it's so ridiculous but that's such a cordy thing, right it's all about her yeah. you know oh cordelia. so cordelia
1: says don't try it again and xander basically screams i didn't try it forget about the bugs the memory of your lips on mine makes my blood run cold cordelia warms him then if he tells anyone about this xander says uh like i'd want anyone to know." And Cordelia says, so it's erased. And Xander says, it never happened. And they're like, good, 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 good. And then, of course, the music plays up again and they kiss again. And really, like, these these moments between the two of them, these two kissing scenes, shouldn't work, but they work so well. So I'm just going to say it. I am intrigued by this relationship. I knew it was coming, obviously, because I've seen the show before. And because of my mm-hmm. whole new outlook on Xander this time around, I really was not looking forward to it. Okay. But when I got here, I'm curious to see if Xander being close to Cordelia, whom I love, <laughs> if this will help him become a more likable character. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's going to happen. But for whatever reason, I'm feeling more hopeful about this pairing because it's so fun. And I'm hoping that it'll stay fun and not become infuriating (laughs) down the line. And don't get me wrong, I do think Cordelia deserves better than Xander. Absolutely. But if this is the growth that we're finally going to start seeing in Xander, I'm okay with this. And that's how I felt watching this episode. I was like, I don't hate this. I'm intrigued. This hate-love dynamic that we got going on here, it's interesting, it's fun, it's different than all the other Mm -hmm. couples we've seen so far. I'm okay with it for now.
0: Yeah, I I don't. I have a harder time reading like the whole kissing thing and stuff. So that doesn't really inform my view of, of this budding relationship. I see where you're coming from about being intrigued about it this time around. Part of me just kind of thinks that the writers are doing this to give Cordelia a more compelling reason to become one of the Scoobies, you know? I I think that's probably one of the reasons this is happening. And also, it's useful for Xander to get into a relationship so that the writers can move him away from pining after Buffy. And rightly so. Like, (laughs) you and I are sick of this. So if Cordelia distracts Xander from Buffy, all the better, you know? And I think it's also very deliberate... That Willow and Oz are getting closer in the same episode that Cordy and Xander are getting closer. You know, there's some pairing off going on. Angel and Buffy are getting closer. All of our characters are on the cusp of entering into a more serious romantic entanglement. I think maybe I'm coming at from the perspective of how will each of these three main characters' romantic relationships compare and contrast with each other
1: Mm -hmm. over
0: the the next season
1: yeah i'm intrigued like this is another like we said game changer right relationship Mm -hmm. statuses in this episode are game changers for sure so outside buffy is saying goodbye to kendra and she's telling her how to get on the airplane and enjoy herself and relax and watch a movie and eat peanuts and don't you know sneak in the cargo (laughs) hold
0: ah yes back when you were allowed peanuts on an airplane we were so so uncivilized back then (laughs)
1: we lived a different life
0: we had smoking sections we were just exposing people with allergies to peanuts all the time like (laughs) monsters
1: monsters uh i will say if you fly porter in ontario you get apple chips which are delicious (laughs) i
0: can't wait for porter to come back it's been too long stuff we
1: miss flying (laughs) so kendra's getting into the cab and buffy says thank you for helping me save angel And Kendra says she won't tell her watcher about that because it's too strange that a slayer loves a vampire.
0: Kendra disobeying her watcher? Hiding something from her? Buffy has corrupted her.
1: Buffy, what have you done to our sweet, by the book, Kendra? (laughs) Kendra does say, still, he is pretty cute. So Kendra sees what we all see. Angel is pretty cute. (sighs) And we should all break the rules to save his life. So... (sighs) Buffy says maybe they won't fire me for dating him and Kendra says you always do that talk about slaying like it's a job it's not it's who you are and Buffy says did you get that from your handbook (laughs) and Kendra says from you and it's actually very sweet and true and nice and I love this scene between the two of them and don't go Kendra stay why are you going so Buffy says I can't fight it I'm a freak and Kendra says not the only freak and buffy says not anymore
0: Mm,
1: so buffy moves to hug her kendra says i don't hug (laughs) buffy says right no i hate hugs and they just (sighs) grin at each other in understanding and kendra drives away stay kendra i wish she wasn't leaving (laughs) like she should stay stay (laughs) kendra stay (laughs) stay here At the abandoned church, we hear rustling and we see Spike's face. He's obviously unconscious and super hurt. Drusilla is in her vamp face and lifts Spike up with like one arm and says, Don't worry, dear heart. I'll see that you get strong again, like me. And she carries him out of the church, and it's like super dramatic. Very
0: dramatic music. Super dramatic.
1: And like, do you think they're gonna leave? Do you think this is it? the last time we see spike and drusilla you think she's gonna carry him all the way out of town
0: no absolutely not this is just the beginning right like you know up until now spike has not been very good at getting rid of buffy right yeah we got a woman in charge now staff this is gonna be terrible for buffy
1: yeah i think it's a little predictable this ending but it is a good like oh shit drusilla's really strong
0: Like talking about game changers, right? Like this show is already changing up the whole dynamic of the villains this season far more often than season one did. Season yes. one, it was just the master, master, master. And there were like the different minions and stuff, but it was just the master. Yep. In this season, we've had Colin. Remember Colin? <laughs> Colin! Then Colin got killed off. We had Spike, yes, right? yes. And now, you know, Spike is still formidable. He's still there. We don't really know the extent of his injuries but drusilla is clearly back as a player now
1: drusilla's coming back fiercer stronger harder better faster
0: baby likes to play baby
1: likes to play <laughs> i guess we'll find out what that really means in the second half of season two <laughs> so
0: who's your hero <laughs> um,
1: i'm gonna pick i'm gonna pick kendra <laughs> I wrote that in my note, but like, do I really think that now that we've talked it through? I know. So
0: sometimes we reconsider, right? It's like, oh, yeah. okay, change my mind.
1: I, th- I think I picked Kendra because in the end, she did start coming to Buffy's side in terms of breaking the rules and changing her mindset mm-hmm. and seeing things from a different perspective. And it's not her fault she was trained the way she was trained. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it takes her to break out of her hometown and go to school in a different, in well, a different area to learn differently. Yeah,
0: you know? well, and it's, if you think about it, it's, it's heroic to allow yourself to be challenged and to change your mind on things like Kendra is doing. So that's a good choice. I had trouble picking my hero. You know, I reserved my choice from part one because I'm like, we're not done this episode yet. Mm -hmm. And honestly, everybody in this episode did great. Everybody was on, I think, the top of their game, even Xander. So this was a great episode in terms of everybody doing well. I'll give it to Buffy. And the reason I'm choosing Buffy is she is the common thread in this episode she's the one who brings them all together to rescue angel and save the day i think buffy provided a lot of focus Mm -hmm. and that's coming from her emotions and that's one of the themes of this episode so that's why buffy's my choice
1: lots of game changers in this episode
0: um so we do have some hot steaks steph we've got two hot steaks today
1: yes yes, our first
0: one is from casey who sent us this wonderful email giving us lots of praise (laughs) um (laughs) And then she talked a lot about her relationship in terms of how she views Xander. You know, we've had a lot of people write into us about our Xander slander, and we've said this before. We are happy to talk about this with our listeners, you know, with the understanding that we're not just going to stop, right? Like, we're going to keep slandering Xander. Oh, yeah. But we're happy to entertain your different points of view. So, Casey, we really appreciate you writing in. Um, So Casey's talking about how she agrees with us that a lot of Xander's behavior is unforgivable and toxic in many ways, but she comes to it from a point of view of, like, you know, I kind of really understand where Xander's coming from, and I understand his inappropriate humor as a defensive mechanism. Xander's really insecure. And Casey resonates with this as a black woman because she said, "'Growing up as one of the few people of color in my classes and social circles, sometimes I felt like I was on the outside looking in. I was included and had great friends and experiences, but didn't always feel like I was part of the group. Other times I was the kid without, surrounded by the kids that had, and I desperately wanted to fit in. I was just as guilty as Xander of deflecting and making jokes, sometimes at others' expense, as an attempt to fit in, seem cool, or more importantly, make it seem that I was so tough that if you made fun of me, I would dish it back twice as hard. So she relates this to like the Xander and Cordelia relationship, even all the way back to like the very first episode. You know, this is Xander having enough of Cordelia's bullying and bullshit and standing up to her and taking a stand. She's not saying that she sees herself in Xander, but she's saying that because of her experiences growing up, she has this insight and this maybe understanding of Xander that you know we might lack. And I I think that's a really cool point of view to share with us, right? And I agree. I think that... There is room for us to see Xander as a sympathetic character in some ways. You and I have kind of talked about this in terms of his family and his home life and how we're we're getting these hints that Xander's coming from a poorer background. So thank you for bringing that up, Casey. Thank you for writing in and sharing about how your experiences have affected your relationship with the show. And uh, we'd love to hear more in the future.
1: Yeah, I love that hot steak. Thank you, Casey. I think it was so... Wonder if you would explain why you relate to that insecurity. So, that was great. Our other hot steak is from Phoenix from the Witch Bitches Review. (laughs) Phoenix was listening to Halloween, episode 6, and says that he wanted to comment on the use of Yannis, which is pronounced Yannis. We were saying Janus? Janus? (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, I had never heard it pronounced that way, but you know i i yield to your uh superior knowledge of these various gods, Phoenix. So lay it on us, Steph. Who is Giannis?
1: He is the god of transitions, doors and gateways, and duality both metaphorically and literally, hence the two faces. It kind of makes sense that he would be used in a spell like this from the transition standpoint, but it doesn't really fit that he is a god of chaos, as Ethan claims. He ruled Mm. the between spaces, between life and death, past and future, childhood and adulthood, and I suppose you could claim order and chaos. I think the writing team to focus on one thing for the sake of the episode which in this case is fine because it's not totally wrong just an interesting choice to go with in a lesser known deity instead of one like loki who has quite the reputation for messing stuff up so that's really yeah. cool information to know. God
0: of transitions, eh? Hmm. Maybe <laughs> I should l- learn more about Giannis.
1: <laughs> maybe you should look into it a little bit more, Icar. <laughs> yeah, so two amazing hot steaks. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Phoenix. Um, we appreciate your listening and sharing your knowledge, but also your experiences. All
0: right. Well, I can't wait to see what else season two has in store for us. Like,
1: the writing is just getting so good, so it's only going to get better from here. I can't
0: wait. Well, don't say that so fast, Jeff. Wait until the next episode. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. We invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels.
1: Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore girls on Twitter.
0: You can also reach out to our email at Podcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week.
1: Bye.